What's up, Nap Church? I was wondering if you heard me sneak in behind him. Hey, normally uh, when I kick off a sermon, I try to jump straight into it, and I start with the story, I start with the scripture, get us all on board. But today is going to be starting off just a little differently, because how many have ever heard of life coaches before? Of course you have. I mean, physical therapists or trainers, you heard of that. Today, I am your spiritual mentor. And you may not have known that you're walking into a place where you're going to be equipped, you're going to be challenged, and you're going to be pushed farther than you've ever go, jump higher than you've ever jumped before, run faster than you've ever ran before, prayed farther than you've ever, yeah, that one didn't work. I should have thought that through a little bit better. But here's what I want to do. The first couple minutes of today's, if I could say this sermon, is to get you on the same page because we are starting our march, that's going to sound crazy, to Easter it's right around the corner. It's up and coming. So we're going to, I feel like when I said going into Easter, I feel like that should have got more of a little pop there. We're headed towards Easter. I know that was cheesy. I kind of pulled it out of you, but it is what it is. So here's what we're going to be doing as a church from now until Easter for the next 40 days. Normally what we do is a 40 day spiritual campaign. We call it a campaign where we encourage you to do things this year, we're actually changing the name of it. It is a 40-day challenge. That is right. Your spiritual mentor is up here challenging you for the next 40 days. Why are we calling it a challenge? Because in the year 2023, we believe that God has called us to a year of radical devotion. What would it look like in your life if you were radically devoted to God, decisions that you made, words that you said, emotions that you expressed, first ran through this filter. This is going to be old school. You're going to want to go get a bracelet. WWJD. What would Jesus do, right? So we're becoming radically devoted. And to do that for the next 40 days, I'm going to challenge you in some places. So the first thing, if you're sitting with us today in the chair right in front of you, um, if it's not right in front of you, nearby ushers, we may need some help because I didn't think about those couple chairs there. Uh, pull out this piece of paper. Those of you in our online campus, you will be able to uh, see a QR code, click on it. You'll be able to download a PDF. And everybody who's listening to this, if you've been a part of the church for a while and you filled out one of those fancy cards, right after church, you'll, you'll have an email coming into your inbox with instructions about today as well as this PDF for you to have. So here's what we're going to do. And by the way, we're not even in the sermon yet. This is what we're going to start with. First of all, I'm going to ask you to go to the colored front side, black, gray, and orange. Over the next 40 days, we're going to be reading some scriptures. And when you read the scriptures, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to observe it and you're going to mark it up. Yes, you may have to get a physical Bible for this. Or you're going to need to go to one of those apps that you can actually highlight, underline, things like this. But I want you to physically write in your Bible. And here's what I want you to do. Shade in the attributes of God. If there's something about God, it's an attribute of him. Shade it in. If there's key verses or words, well, what would those be? My question back to you would be this. What was it to you? Because right now, 10 of us could read the same verse, and the Holy Spirit would give something different to each of us. So what was it that stood out to you? Just kind of mark it up. Underline repeating words. Why? It's that important. Why? It's that important. Why? It's that important. 
See, by the third time, it's going to stand out to you, and that's why I love you guys. And if you're new to the church, we work together here, by the way. You guys help me, I help you. Uh, Squiggly, unknown words. And I promise you this. Read King James. You will squiggly some things. But there could be words that you don't know the meaning to. The great news now is in today's society, it's so easy to go in in the Bible. And by the way, just all the scriptures you're going to be reading, it's all New Testament. So to look up, what is the Greek word for? And you'll be able to understand it a little better. Number several points in a row. This is important to do. And the reason it's important to do, it'll help you track what God's saying. It'll help you show you what God's saying. And it will something else God's saying. Like it, sometimes when you put one, two, and three besides it, you'll see that, hey, this is a progression of thoughts. And I want you to mark one, two, and three behind it. Connect transitions words such as if, then, therefore, likewise, but, because, or in the same way. Many of the scriptures you'll read, and sometimes it starts with, therefore, they... Therefore, what do you mean therefore? Just back up a couple verses. And it tells you everything I just said. Therefore, the way to respond is this. And so that's why we want to connect transition words. And the final one, if you have questions, mark it. Take it to your nav group. Well, I don't go to a nav group. <laughs> See what I did there? Like, listen, I'm telling you, some of the greatest conversations isn't in rows facing me, but it's in circles talking to each other. And I want to encourage you to get and find a nav group. And by the way, I'm a dad of four. This morning at 6.50, I headed to Alton for a baseball practice. Now, I also was the dad that said, hey, I'm not staying the whole time because church is more important. But I didn't say it like that. I kind of said it like that. And so, like, I understand that we have children. Sometimes it's hard to get to your nav groups. But what if we prioritize God for just one year of our life? Make every effort that we can and get to a nav group. Now, do me a favor, flip it over. For those online, it'll be page number two of the PDF. You're going to use something called the SOAP method. SOAP is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So step number one, you're going to read through, through, you're going to read through this week's scripture. You're going to look for a verse that jumps out to you and write it down. If you're reading a verse and something jumps out to you, how could you mark it? That's a great question. Refer back to page number one. It's right there for you. But you're going to read that. Then number two, you're going, to, you're going to have observation. Take a look at the verse that you just wrote down. What part of the verse challenges you? What part of the verse encourages you? What part of the verse surprises you? And then what does this verse tell you about God and about people? So in observing it, you're not just wanting to find out what this verse says, you need to try to hear what this verse is saying, right? And then application, based on what you've just observed, how should you respond this week? You know, when we're going to read scriptures like, be slow to anger, there's a chance some of us may need to go ahead and have some application in our life. I don't know why I'm going high pitch and sarcastic voice right now, but I definitely am. So, and then here's the thing, question number two, with whom will you uh, share what you have learned? And I'm like, well, I really don't have a group that I could take this to. Refer back to page number one, the bottom point. Go to your NAB group. Get in a community of believers because I will tell you this. I don't want to say it that way. This is, I'm in a good mood. Unless you want to hear the way I was going to say it, Pharisees. And so, like, no, but don't, you're, you can't be an island unto yourself. Christianity is a team sport. And if you go, well, my group doesn't know what's going on. God does. Let him talk. 
I don't need to be the keeper of his word. I'm just going to be the steward of his word. We'll let God take care of himself. And so the final one is prayer. Thank God for his word. Ask God to help you apply what you have learned today as you walk with him. So over the next couple weeks, here is every scripture that I'm going to ask you to read. And I want you to see the amount that you're going to be asked to read. Today, John 4, 23 and 24. That's it. Two whole verses. And I, this can be as long and as short as you make it, but I will tell you now that if you properly do this, you're only looking at a couple minutes. But what you'll find is throughout the day, this will be the verse that's on your mind. Now you're meditating on the word. I have no interest in you speed reading the scriptures until November. What? Oh, because in November, one of the challenges, read the whole Bible in one month. But, but we're not there right now. Right now, we're right here, and it's two whole verses. And I want to invite you to go through the soap. And if you look at it, Holy Spirit is a person. That's today's topic. Now, next Sunday, the Holy Spirit has a job. All the verses that you see underneath there are going to specifically refer to the Holy Spirit having a job. Week number three, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is available today. All of those scriptures are going to talk on that subject. The Holy Spirit is here to equip. The week number five, the Holy Spirit gives tongue to believers. Bet you don't miss that one. <laughs> Might as well go ahead and touch on the subject. And then ready for this, the Holy Spirit is one of three baptisms. So those are going to be the subjects we reach over the next six weeks and the scriptures that go along with it. So I want to challenge you, ready? I want to challenge you to read the Bible every single day. This is how you're going to do it. This is what you're going to do. And these are the steps that you're going to take to achieve it. Now, with that said, you're looking at those six weeks. Today is the only Sunday that our challenges last for 40 whole days. So next Sunday, I'm going to have another challenge for you, but it's only going to be for that week. And then the week after, I'm going to have another challenge for you, but it'll only be for that week. And then another week, when I say I challenge you not to watch TV for the whole week, don't worry, it only lasts for, sorry, did I let that cat out of the bag? See, you don't know what week it is coming, I'll tell you. But every week, I'm going to have a week-long challenge for you. But on this Sunday, I do have a 40-day challenge for you. Number one, read this script, read, read every day with us. But number two, ready for this one? I challenge you between now and Easter to not miss a Sunday morning. Okay. Journey with us as we unpack the conversation of who is God, the Holy Spirit. Also, as we start heading close to Easter, you're not going to want to miss a couple things. We're going to have an egg packing party one Sunday. And you might go, what is an egg packing party? party. Great question, Pastor Aaron. It's where you take an egg and you pack it. That's it. But it's no big deal. We only have 40,000 of them to do. So we want you to be here on that Sunday. Be a part of an egg packing party. Be a part of finding out who God is talking to you as far as inviting. Be a part of getting ready for our Easter celebration. Because this year, we believe God's going to do some amazing things. We've talked about going back to two services. But for Easter, we will be at two services on that Sunday. And because we just know that God's going to have people here ready to get saved, ready to get baptized. And so I want to challenge you from now till Easter, don't mean 
miss a single Sunday. Now, those of you online, you're sending, go, I'm not missing, I'm online. That's fantastic. You're here with this live and you're doing it. And some of you are going to say this, well, I already had this planned or I'm out of town on that Sunday. Fantastic. Here's who I'm really challenging. You wake up on a Sunday morning because you went to bed way too late on Saturday night watching something on Netflix and you think to yourself, I don't feel like going to church get your butt up out of bed and get to church. Like, that's the challenge. That's who I'm talking to right now. I don't know how else to say it. I want to challenge you to just make it on a regular basis coming to church in order to unpack this whole conversation of the Holy Spirit. So with that said, everybody, let me just ask, any questions? Okay, good. We're moving on. For those online, feel free to type it. They'll chat back with you on it. Two things for this next coming, uh, this series we have coming up. Uh, normally on a Sunday morning, uh, I have heard over time that people find me entertaining, uh, that sometimes I'll tell a joke, they'll make you laugh. There's practical things that you really walk away from. Um, there's a aspect of David that you probably don't know a lot about, and that's teacher David. Uh, I grew up with a doctor of theology in my house. Um, even today when I study, I, I don't go to the people you watch on Instagram and all that. I can tell you now, I don't ever watch them. I watch guys who speak in a monotone voice that just methodically go to the scripture because honestly, that's what I enjoy. But I understand that's also not what everybody enjoys. And the way I present the gospel on a Sunday morning is sometimes different. But over the next six weeks, you should just know teacher David is showing up. Like, that's the hat that I have on. And I want to help you process through this conversation about who the Holy Spirit is. I think there's going to be takeaways. I think there's things that could inspire you. But if you're waiting for me to pace back and forth and kind of get all hyped and energetic, like... Sorry, we're at school. And I'd like to point out, I challenged you to come all the Sundays before I told you this part, right? <laughs> but sometimes, here's what I would like to do for the next six weeks. I just want the word to do what the word's going to do. I don't want it to make it about me. I don't want to make it about cult of personality. I just want the word to do what the word's going to do. Second thing I do want to say, and I, uh, there's going to be things that you hear me say, and I'll just tell you now, like none of this is my original thinking. This is from my Bible college days. Uh, this is from Fuchsia Pickett, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church, Dr. Ron Cotterill, Dr. Gary Chapman, Dr. Patty Amston. Doc so just so you know, if you hear anything and I don't give someone credit, I'm giving everybody credit now. And because this, when it comes to the teaching of the Holy Spirit, I know this is going to sound crazy, there's nothing new to make up. <laughs> I may have a different story to tell you, but we're going into pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. And just because I barely know how to pronunciate that word proves to you, <laughs> I think I paponically said that correctly. Like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. This is a theology, this is a study of the Holy Spirit, and so we're just going to do a study of the Holy Spirit. So God, I invite you right now, make me very, very small so you can be very, very big. I pray that as I, what I believe logically, begin walking through this process of who the Holy Spirit is, God, I believe that it'll start unpacking, demystifying, but also clarifying who you are. And um, God, as a nation, we are desperate for you. Fancy lights, big stages, monster churches, 
humor, arts, and shows have not transformed our nation. But better is one day with you than a thousand elsewhere. So God, I just invite you to be a part of our conversations today, tomorrow, and from here to Easter so that we can truly glorify your son in the way that he's due. In your name we pray, amen. Well, here we are, week number one of Holy Spirit 101. We want to kick off this series with the topic of the Holy Spirit is a person. And by the way, if you want to have more information, more notes than I'm going to be sharing with you or you're going to see on the PowerPoint, you can always download the app to be able to get this. Notes are also attached to any of the podcasts, YouTubes that we have posted out there so you'll be able to see this. But we want to start this week by talking that the Holy Spirit is a person. Why? Because there are many churches, groups, and denominations, even theological persuasions, that the Holy Spirit is a force. It is a power. He is an influence or a blessing. And actually, one theory, cessation, says this, that he ended when the apostol and when the apostles and the Bible was canonized, the Holy Spirit's job was done here on earth. And by the way, just to make it very clear right here at the beginning, we do not teach that here, nor do we believe that here, because in this canonized Bible, it never said that the Holy Spirit retired. So I would like him to be present in my life today because the Old Testament got, got God the Father. Early on in the New Testament, they got God the Son. And honestly, I'd feel left out if we didn't get one part of the God. And so I'm going to take God the Spirit. Today we're looking at scriptures that I believe will help make it very clear that he is a person. One clear example is Jesus. Jesus never referred to the spirit as a force, a power, or an influence. Actually, and this is where the teacher side is coming out, um, ekaino, E-K-E-I-N-O, is the Greek word that Jesus repeatedly used, such as John 14, 26, John 15, 26, and John 16, 8. It's the Greek masculine noun for a person. So if Jesus referred to him as a person... I think I'm okay referring to him as a person. If he did it, I did it, and that's just fine with me. So the main point of today's conversation, I'm going to say right here at the beginning so that we're all on the same page. And if you fall asleep on me, I get it, but I don't want you to miss this. If you do not see him as a person, then you will never develop a personal relationship with him. Why are we talking about the person, the Holy Spirit? Is because I want you to have a personal relationship with him. You cannot have a personal relationship with a force. You can't have it with a power. You can't have it with an influence or a blessing. You have to have, I know this is going to, like, you have to have a personal relationship with a person. And I want you to see him as a person. Why? Because if you don't see him as a person, why would you ever talk to him? You don't have relationships with chairs. Like right now, you're sitting here, and you're in your. Or let me let me do this first before I say that. I want to clarify one of the terms. Why? Because words have meanings. Meanings bring clarity. The Holy Spirit is not His name. The Holy Spirit is His function. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. His name, in which we are speaking of today, his name is God. 
Nothing more, nothing less. He is God. He's, his function is to, be a, is to be the spirit. He leads us, guides us, and even embodes inside of us. Abodes inside of us. What do I mean by that? I would invite you to come back to week number three where we really unpack that. But let me say this. He lives inside of us so that we may live in the truth that he's going to teach us about. He's going to guide us in and he's going to mentor us through. And so many people, I'm going to read this to make sure we try to wrap our minds around it. Many people have the trouble distinguishing between personality and corporality. Corporality being having a body. It is difficult for some to think of a person without having flesh and blood and yet being a person. That's because when we think of a person, we think of the corporality. We think of the body. But we must see that being invisible and intangible, he can still have a personality. And by the way, you kind of know this already. Have you ever attended a funeral where you come up to the casket and you see, let's just say, a corpse there, and you just say, boy, that doesn't look like him. That doesn't look like them. Why is that? The body is all the same, but the person is gone, right? I doubt there's many people in your life you don't want to interact with because of their body. It's probably their person body, right? Their personality. It's the thing inside of them. And so what makes a person? You're sitting here today. You're a person, but the chairs are also sitting here. Is that a person? Well, you're sitting here today. You have life. We, We don't have a tree here. If we had a plant here, you'd say, well, this plant has life. So is being present make you a person? Does having life make you a person? And we know this isn't true. A person is someone who exhibits the marks of a personality. A person is not an inanimate inanimate object, a person is someone with with a soul. A soul is made up of the mind, will, and, and emotions. And you know this to be true because you think with your minds, you desire with your will, and you feel with your emotions. So if what makes up a person is the mind, will, and emotion, is it possible that the Holy Spirit thinks? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit has desires Is it possible that the Holy Spirit has emotions? Or let's say it this way. Is it possible that God thinks? Is it possible that God has a will? And is it possible that God has emotions? Because if these are the steps of who the Holy Spirit is, he wants us to think like God thinks. He wants us to desire what God desires, and he wants us to feel what God feels. And I know this may sound odd, but I'm going to go into great details on weeks three through five on this. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, then you have God living inside of you. And he wants you to think like him, feel like him, and to desire like him. And how can he tell me what God thinks? Because he is God. If he's living inside you, he is God. Spirit is his function. Well, how can he have me desire what God desires? He is God, right? He knows what God's desires are. That's his function, being the spirit. How can, how can uh, he give me the feelings that God feels he is God? Spirit is his function. And if you were thinking, well, I don't know if he's in me. How do I get him in me? And what does this mean? You definitely need to be here week five and six. Those are called teasers, folks. 
If you have questions, come back for more. So here's what I like to do over just the next couple minutes we have together. I want to talk about the mind, will, and emotion of God. And let's see if this helps us understand the person that is the Holy Spirit, not force, right? Not some mystical thing that we try to just say, the person who is God. So point number one that I have for you, the Holy Spirit has a mind. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all, what word is there? Truth. Okay. He will guide you in all truth. How can he know all truth unless he is all truth? Right? Because our God is omni. Omni what? Good question. Omnipotent. Omnipresent. Omnipotent. Omni being all, omnipotent being knowledge. He is all knowledge. God knows all things. So ready for this? Imagine if you created a car out of nothing. Is there anything about that car that you don't know about? Right? And I don't know why I use car as an example. I'm the worst person to use that example. I don't know. I don't, the other day my tire was making noise and I'm like, oh, it must be the, the, the ball nut joints bearings. Like, I, I, I'm the worst But I know this, whoever the creator of that computer is, the creator of that movie, they knew everything that went inside of it. Before God, there was nothing. After God said, let there be, there was everything. There's nothing about the created order that God goes, oh, that's how that works. And so now you have this all-knowing God. Why should you have a personal relationship with him who is spirit And that is because he can and will live inside of you. And in his all-knowingness, he is committed to be your teacher. There's aspects, you know what I want to know? I want to know what the next winning lottery numbers are. I do. I really would like to know that. And I will say things like this. All the new church building will be paid for, right? Like I will will give God a bone, like that will help him, right? But here's what he may know about me, that if I got $10 million, it could corrupt me. This all-knowing God is going to give to his son that's continuing to grow what I need at this age of maturation in order for me to be what he's called me to be. I have an all-knowing God inside of me that wants to know. And here's the great thing. I have been a pastor long enough that I've sat in situations where I did not know, but God did. And when God spoke to me, it helped someone else. So just about a week ago, it was early. I was down at the gym and I I work out. I have a, a, I'm going to get in trouble, but these are his words. My geriatrics gym partner. I'm not going to tell you his age, but he's much older. But Pastor Ron Habermill, the two of us, we were doing, I guess I am going to go ahead and tell you who it is. We can edit that out later. Um, so we were at the gym, and we were just going on a set, and I saw a guy that, were, there's only, only so many people go to the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. So we're down there, and normally we're playful. Uh, these guys, I don't know why, everyone makes fun of me at the gym, and I'm never lifting heavy enough. And, and on this day, I said something to him, and he just didn't respond right, and it, it just, it hit me wrong. And, and we're about to start the next thing that we were doing. And I looked at him and I said, hey, buddy, why does, you're normally running at a 10. Why does it look like you're at a three today? And he goes, there's a lot on my mind. And I said, I'm here if you need me. That's all I said. And then there was a pause. Yeah, my, 
My wife's dad died yesterday, and no one knew. We called the neighbor, and they went next door, and we just found him dead. So just so you know, I didn't know that, but the all-knowing Holy Spirit did. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit had a desire for this gentleman to touch an aspect of God. And for some reason, he chose to use me. So now we're talking long. And in talking long, he starts having a list of questions. Because I don't know if you know this, that when a funeral comes along, you might have attended a lot of funerals. But when you're at the um, ER and when you're at the hospital and they say, hey, who do you want to come pick up the body? You go, who's supposed to pick up the body? You know, what funeral home have you picked? I, I didn't know this. Was, there's more than one, right? I, and then are you cremated? Are you doing a showing? Are you doing a visitation? Do you want uh, guest cards? Where would you want sympathy? Where are you being buried? Do you want a tombstone? Do you, all these questions started coming your way, and I just said, hey, if you guys want to talk through any of this, just let me know. And about an hour later, the wife called and said, can you meet with me today? And wouldn't you know, I had the ability to just go and sit with the family and talk to them. And here's what I was told by multiple people afterwards that after I got done, that God blessed the family so much, all the stress had kind of disappeared. And, and by the way, you're not clapping for me here. You're clapping for the Holy Spirit because, and I mean this, I know me. And I'm the last person me would ever go to. The amount of times that I've sat in counseling uh, meetings before and someone's just pouring out their heart and they're laying everything on the table. I stopped listening 20 minutes ago and I started saying this, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Because I know I don't have what it takes to help them. But if I got the mind of Christ and, the, and, the, and, and what the Holy Spirit was thinking, but for a second, it would forever change someone's life. I want this God. I want not not. Oh, God, I want this God, the spirit of God living inside of me. Actually, what Philippians 2.5 says, I want to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How can I have that? The same God's in me. I can have it. Do I pause long enough to let him be my teacher? Let him be my mentor? Let him disciple me in the way that I should think? Number two, the Holy Spirit has a will. Acts 16.6 now, when they had gone through, and by the way, I've said this name 13 different times, however you would like to say it, sounds great to me, and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach a word in Asia. Why would I pick this scripture when I'm talking about the will of God? The word forbidden there actually means to exercise one's will. So the, the disciples were going through Asia and what they think they should do is just preach the gospel, preach of God, preach gospel. And the Holy Spirit comes to them and says, it is against my will for you to preach it here. And all of us will go, why in the world would that be? That's not what we're studying about. What I want to point out to you is the Holy Spirit has a will and he forbade them. He exercised his will on, this, on, on the disciples at this time. And by the way, parents, you know this to be true. You forbade your will all the time. When your kids at 8.30 at night say, can I have candy, right? It is your will versus their will. Well, I have a strong will, kid. Great. But it doesn't change the fact that one person's will will end up ruling this moment. And most of the times, we are 
the hard-necked, stiff-necked kid wanting our will for this way. But how often do we stop long enough to say, Holy Spirit, what is your will? Why should we know this? Since he has a will, obviously his will is God's will. Why? He is God. I don't know if we've covered that yet, but I'm going to repeat it. And you would like to know the will of God in your life. Why not get to know him? Or another way to say it is, if you want to know God's will in your life, get to know God. Now, someone in here sat, sat around me long enough to know this. Pastor, I've heard you quote 1 Thessalonians 4.3 before, that we know the will of God. And the will of God is for all of us to be sanctified. That is absolutely true. There are two types of will of God that I'd like to talk about right now. The general will of God and the specific will of God. The general will of God is that all of us be sanctified. That is the general will of God in our life. But there's also specific wills of God. So you can get into the Bible, which is going to be the general word of God. And you can find out how God wants you to look at money. God does not want you to be a slave. Therefore, he doesn't want you to be in debt, right? That's a general will of God. But then when it comes to the specific will of God, that's where we lean into his voice. God, do you want me to invest in this business? Right? So you know what the general will of God is, and the general will of God is for you to be the head and not the tail, and above and not beneath. That's the general will of God. But when it comes to you being married, the general will of God is for one man and one woman to come together in holy matrimony in order to create a new family. That's the general will of God. But should you marry him? Should you marry her, right? Now we're into the specific will of God, the job that you take. And I would even go this far, the prayers that you pray, because none of you know how to pray. I was just seeing if anyone would say amen, because you don't know what I mean by that right now, right? It, it's, it's sitting out there long enough to where it's become awkward. You don't know how to pray. Just let it sit there a minute longer. Okay, baby birds, I'll feed you. Here we go. Ready? Romans 8.28. We all know this scripture. You've written it in many birthday cards and graduation cards. And we know that all thing, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. We know that scripture. We love Romans 8.28. But none of y'alls know the verses that lead up to that. Three of y'alls. And alls has like a lot of L's behind it. Ready for this? Let's just back up a couple verses because if we were going to do a soap method and therefore like we have to go backwards on it, Romans 8.26, it says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love what the Bible says here. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You're sitting right here and you're like, well, I didn't know what to pray for. That's because the Holy Spirit in you spoke to you his will, and you knew what to pray for. Outside of that, I would pray for comfort. I would pray for self. I would pray for me. Because most of the times, I'm the most important God in my life. And you don't have to say amen to that. You're more holy than I am. But the fact is, rarely do we know what to pray for. Unless we know what God's will is, then we can pray into that. Now, the rest of the verse goes on to say, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What does that mean? I would invite you back to week number five. I look forward to covering that with you. 
But the first part I want you to see is we have no idea what to pray for. And if you do, it's because the Holy Spirit spoke to you. And then in verse 27 of Romans, before we get to the verse 28 that we all love, it says this. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Oh, wait, did we cover that already? Step number one, he's right, the way we think. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in according to what? The will of God. So we said earlier that when it comes to a person, we need a couple things. We need a mind, a will, and emotion. Yahtzee in one verse. (laughs) Spirit has a mind and the Spirit has a will. Two of the three down. We are talking about a person here. A person that's living inside of you. How can he live inside of you? Because this person doesn't have a body, but he has all the personality of a person. And so we have this. You have to hear this. I can't hear God for you. I can hear God with you, but not for you. You cannot have a personal relationship with someone through someone else. I am sharing all of this with you so that you will have a personal relationship with God and the function that God can play in your life today is to be a spirit that lives with you, teaching you his mind revealing to you his words, and even giving to you his emotions. Which is point number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So in this series, this is what's known as the fruit of the Spirit. At no other point in these, over this week nor the five to come will I be talking about the fruit of the Spirit again. And the reason why is the fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Spirit living in you. I believe the conversation we need to have is for you to understand that the Spirit of God is present for you today. And so rather than looking at, if we say, our outcome goals, I want to look more at the input type uh, goals that we have in our life is to put the Spirit inside of you. And if the Spirit is inside of you, the result of that will be such things as, well, this is interesting. The fruit of the Spirit are all emotions, The fruit of the Spirit is love. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's an emotion. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. That's an emotion. Forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, all of these are emotions. And so when it comes to the Spirit living inside of you, we can point to the specific emotions that the Holy Spirit is wanting you to have. And so Ephesians 4.30 says this, There's one motion that I want to show you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed in the day of redemption. Grief is an emotion. The Holy Spirit, his mind, will, and now emotion, we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 4, 25. Here's all the verses that go along with that. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood And speak truthfully to your neighbor. What grieves the Holy Spirit is lying. For we all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And do not not give the devil a foothold. When you are angry to the point of sin, not only does it grieve the Holy Spirit, but it allows the enemy to have a foothold in your life. And that foothold in your life is a deeper relationship than the one you're having with God. 
Do not grieve him. Anyone who's been stealing, just stop it. Just knock it off. Stop stealing. Keep your hands to your own. Do it no longer. Stealing grieves the Holy Spirit. What do you need to do instead? Work. Do something useful with your own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful and build up according to each other their needs. That it may be beneficial to those who listen. So anytime you say a joke that's cutting at someone else, that tears them down, that just lifts you up, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Be nice. There's another way to say it. Verse 30, we already covered this one. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit in emotion because you're sealed. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate. All emotion. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. So what grieves the Holy Spirit? It's when believers walk in sin. What grieves the Holy Spirit, not his mind, not his will, but his emotion, it's when we choose to walk in sin. Seems like over the past couple weeks, I've had the opportunity, and I, I know that's an odd word to use there, but to step alongside of families that have lost a loved one. And uh, yesterday, actually, something kind of popped to me, was grieving that was happening because it wasn't just the loss of person. I believe we grieve because we lose the intimacy with that person. And so when I look at what grieves the Holy Spirit, it isn't because we've done something so big in our life that we've ran away from God, denied the cross, and is now we're going to hell in fifth gear, all excited, hair, you know, hair on fire, you know, whatever. I actually believe the reason it grows, grieves the Holy Spirit is because when we sin, it's almost like we have a breach in the relationship with him. And you know this to be true. Has there ever been a time in your life that you did something that you just wanted to avoid her? You wanted to avoid your parents just a little bit longer because somehow time makes the situation a little bit worse. But the truth is there's a separation that has occurred. And relationships break down because of when sin is there, there's a breach in intimacy. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the person who wants a personal relationship with you, what he's saying to us is every time you sin, I lose intimacy with you. And into me, you see, is how we draw closer together. And the person doesn't want to lose his personal relationship with you. And the emotion that he has is the same one that a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a grandma, a grandpa, a friend, a relative has standing over the loss of a loved one. We grieve because there will forever be a breach in that intimacy. The Holy Spirit stands next to you and say, I'm grieving because you're separating from me. So as long as a person walks in sin, there's a breach in the personal relationship between you and the person of God and the loss of intimacy grieves the Holy Spirit. So how do we keep this from happening? What role does this person play in my life and what can I expect from the Holy Spirit in the days to come? I look forward to covering all that next week. But for, but for this week... 
the greatest way that you can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit is to know that the person is here to have a personal relationship with you. God, and we covered this earlier, and those in our online community, you heard it too, when we took our communion elements together. You had God the Father, the function, creator of all things, who's here with mankind. And honestly, he lived in a box known as the ark. Then you had Jesus, who actually lived in flesh. And it's interesting, we have no problem believing in God the Father, the creator. Will you actually bet your eternal soul that God the Son is true? Why is it weird to say God the Spirit wants to live with you today? I would actually say this, it's logical. Because God was distant from man. He created a bridge through man through Jesus. And now he just wants to dwell with us. So could I ask everyone here, and if you're online, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Could you just bow your heads or close your eyes or just kind of separate yourself for the next two, three minutes? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, just know that there is way too much documented proof that a man 2,000 years ago walked among us that was a carpenter, that the Roman Empire did hang from a cross. Now, the biggest debate is, did he come back to life and actually prove what it was that he said? Well, there were 500 eyewitnesses that went on record saying that they saw him post-death, but there were no written accounts that those people were liars. So historically speaking, it's true. It started with 12 guys in an upper room, and now a couple billion people believe it. So even the effects of Jesus continue to go on and on. You just have to wrestle with the fact of, do you believe it in your own heart? And right now, if your heart is racing, if your mind is just clear as can be, every word that I'm saying is making sense, I'm just going to tell you, it's because the Holy Spirit is talking to you, not me as the communicator. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've said it before, but you are ready to make today the day that you journey with him the rest of your life, no one else is looking. Could I just ask you to slide your hand up in the air just so I can see that you've made that decision? And as people are making that decision here, I see those hands. Those of you online, same question is going to come, but here's saying, I need you to hit a like button. I need you to throw a comment in. Or... There could be a tab popping up that you click yes on or a comment that you like. But if you're in an online campus or sitting here with me personally, could I just ask everybody around the room to say this prayer out loud? Dear Jesus, today is the day that I'm ready to walk with you, to know you personally because you are a person. Jesus, I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. Become Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you for every decision that was made. I thank you for every hand that went up. I thank you for even those that needed to rededicate their journey with you. And we, we believe that they can be saved with the confession of their mouth and the belief in their heart. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come and live inside of all of us. 
We may not have known what that means. We may have heard it before, but God, I thank you for the head knowledge and the information to now illuminate who we are to become a revelation of what you've done. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are bringing us as a people into this conversation. And now, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray.